Welcome to the podcast of Life Change Church, where we exist to love people to life change. We hope that this podcast is both challenging and encouraging to you. Enjoy the message. All right, well, hey, good morning and welcome to Life Change Church. As, as you can tell, we are in the middle and starting a, a brand new series, Won't You Be My Neighbor? But uh, let's just, uh, those announcements, I mean, come on, like, how am I even going to preach after those, right? I will tell you, the goat was wrong, though. Uh, the school ministry actually is starting October 8th, so you can't, who can trust a goat? You never know, right? But uh, it's starting October 8th, just so if you are marking your calendars or making a note of that, just uh, make a note of that quickly, too. But we are we're jumping in a, a new series entitled, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Which uh, begs the question, how many of you all, all grew up watching Mr. Rogers as a kid? Anybody? All right, yes. We got a lot of those. I mean, Mr. Rogers was... An incredible show, and I'll tell you what, I'm pumped for Thanksgiving this year. How many of you guys are pumped for Thanksgiving this year? Some of you are thinking like, dude, I like turkey, I like stuffing. But Thanksgiving Day, the new movie, Mr. Rogers, A Beautiful Day, The Neighborhood actually releases. And I'm pumped for it because Mr. Rogers was really a staple for me as a kid. And it's not necessarily um, because it was the greatest show there. It was actually one of the only options we had in the show. So for my my family, we... um. It wasn't really we were strict. We had limited TV, not necessarily because my parents were strict. We had limited TV because my parents were cheap, right? So we did not have cable growing up, and it was totally financial because the moment I got out of the house, my, my parents looked at me and said, dude, we're saving money. We don't have to feed you anymore. We're getting cable. So they did. But for us growing up, we had uh, some limited stations. So if you grew up in the Newark area, you'll know. But we had, uh, we had four, which was NBC. We had six sometimes if the wind was blowing the right way. We had that, so that was ABC. Ten would always come in, and then again, if the wind was blowing the right way, we would have Fox, which was channel 28. And these weren't like bunny ears. We had like the big antenna hooked up to the side of the house. Not only was it an antenna for our TV, but it also doubled as a ladder for the roof for the sun to go up and clean the gutters out each fall, right? But we had that, and then we also, you could always get channels 32 and 34, right? So that was PBS. Now, again, for us to change the channel, because we didn't have cable, there was no need for any fancy remote. So we had the knob that you would turn, right? So we'd turn it there, and then not only, once you got to a certain place, you had the extra knob that would dial it in. Well, with that, we had limited stations, and one of the stations was PBS. So we would often watch Mr. Rogers. And actually, Mr. Rogers, it was an incredible show. It was fun to watch, and it's actually amazing. So I did some some deep dive into some sermon prep this week and uh, really jumped in, and I, well, I Googled Mr. Rogers. All right, so Mr. Rogers, what's incredible about it, it's been on air. It started in 1968 and went to 2001. That's crazy. It had 895 episodes. And not only that, there's a spinoff. How many, how many of you have kids right now? What's the spinoff of Mr. Rogers? Anybody know? Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. And listen, I love that show too. I'm not going to lie. There's times where we were, when my kids are going, getting older and they're still watching it, I'll find myself in the room. They've left and I'm by myself watching Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. Right? I don't, it just happens. But there's something about these shows that, that, that's just, and it really is awesome. Right? There's something neat about it. And really it is, it shows us how to treat others. Right? It shows us how to treat our neighbors. It shows us how to tend to broken people. Right, really, the, the basis of the show, and one of the reasons it lasts so long, it allows us and gives us the right way to, to view others and how to care for others as well, about how we can love others. And really what neighboring is, it's the heart of the Great Commission. 
Again, last sermon series, we talked about the Great Commission, how we're all called out to, to go and make disciples, how we're all called out to go and invite and go and invest in others. And really over the next few series, last series, this series, and next, we're going to talk a little bit about how if we call ourselves a follower of Christ, we call ourselves a Christian, it's not just for us, right? but we're called to, to take that and to show others that same love as well, because that's the heart of the gospel. In fact, what I want us to walk away from the series is the heart of the gospel is loving your neighbor. The heart of the gospel is loving your neighbor. At the core of the gospel, it's God. It's God loved us. And that love is, is something that we're supposed to share. Right? God loved us so much that he gave us his son. God loved us so much that he gave us his one and only son to live a perfect life, die on a cross, and be risen again. But we're supposed to share that love with others. Right? We're supposed to share that love with our neighbors. So this is what we're going to talk about through this series. We're going to jump in and we're going to talk about really who we need to love, like who's our neighbor, and then we're going to talk about how we love them and some of the barriers and obstacles that we have to overcome to do so, right? how we live out this gospel, how we live out the gospel. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me right now. We're going to start in Isaiah chapter 1, verses 17, which will really be the, the main verse uh, that breaks this down for us. So Isaiah chapter 1, verses 17, if you don't have a Bible, we always challenge you to download the Version Bible app, an incredible resource to take with you every day. That way you can read the Bible every single day, not just on Sundays. And today you're going to need it because we're going to bounce to a bunch of different verses today. But we'll start here in Isaiah. And again, Isaiah is in the Old Testament. It's actually one of the major prophets. And uh, what Isaiah is doing is he's prophesying a lot in, in regards to God's promise to the Israelites. But in it, he also talks a great deal and he pays attention to some certain social and economic issues as well. And he says this in Isaiah 117. He says, learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless and plead the case of the widow. Here he's literally listing those who our neighbors are. And he's really listing and showing us how to do it. Right? Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. And as we hear those things, this is what we should be known at for as Christians. Like, think about it. What if as followers of Christ, this is what we're known for? What if this is, the, this is the characteristics that people saw and expected and even came to rely on as followers of Christ? What if as the church, big C, this is what we're known for? If we call ourselves a follower of Christ, what if we reach out this way? What if we ask, won't you be my neighbor? It would be incredible. The gospel would be spread even more than it's spreading now. But what happens is, is too many times I think we change our mindset and we become judgmental. And really, that's what people view in us as well. But this is what the series is all about. Moving from that point so that we can truly love others. Love the orphans, love the poor, love the lonely. And today we're going to talk about loving those different from us and overcoming some of the barriers that keep us from loving our neighbors. And one of those barriers is racism. And we're going to talk about seeking justice and encouraging the oppressed because it's the heart of the gospel. The heart of the gospel is loving your neighbor. In fact, Jesus said it was one of the most important things. He said it's the most important thing of all. So if you want to jump in with me right now, we're going to jump to Luke chapter 10 and read verses 25 through 37. And this is really Jesus expanding on these words and clarifying just who our neighbors are. Clarifying who the oppressed are and how we love them as well. So Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. We'll start here in verse 25. It says, on one occasion... An expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So here's this, this expert in the law. And the, 
Truth be told, this expert in the law, he's actually trying to trap Jesus. But he asked this question. He's like, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And really, he's asking really a, a very important question. Really, he's asking what leads to the good news? What leads to the gospel? What leads to this relationship with God? What's behind it all? So he gets this question, and Jesus, as he often does, he answers the question with a question. So in verse 26, it says, what's written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? Verse 27 continues on, he says, he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love your neighbor. Love God and love others and love others as you love yourself. Listen, I'll just say this. We have to have, we have to love ourselves as well, right? We have to realize that we have value before we can love our neighbor. But that's the gospel, broken down, simple. Love God, love your neighbor. That's it. Verse 28, Jesus says, he says, you've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. It's simple. It's that simple. And again, that's the core of everything. That's the heart of the gospel. It's loving your neighbor. Now, what's interesting is this, is how the expert responds. He's looking for a loophole. Right? He wants to know the limits. He wants to know this whole neighbor, and he wants this whole neighbor word defined. Listen, how many of us, how many of you say you're a rule follower? I'm a rule follower. How many of you say you're a rule breaker? Let's be honest. If you're a rule breaker, this is what you look for. You look for the loophole, right? You see, you get some rules out there. You say, okay, well, what does that really mean? Like, I'm going to look for that loophole, and then you're going to sneak through it. To There's the line. You find the little area where it's gapped together. You break through it, and then you draw a new line around you. Like, oh, I'm good here, right? This is what the teacher of the law is doing. He's trying to find the loophole, and he wants this word neighbor defined. And verse 29 says, but he wanted to justify himself. So he asked, Jesus, who is my neighbor? And I think if we're honest, this is probably a question that we all have, whether we're a rule follower or a rule breaker. We want to know who's our neighbor. We want this whole thing to find, like, is this whole neighbor thing, is it limited to just those on my street? Right? You're looking around loud. Is my neighbor, is it just really who's right beside me in my row, right? Is this neighbor thing, is it just people that, that I get along with, that I put myself around, or does it expand? Right? Does it expand to something further? Does it go beyond really my own circle? Right? Does it go to people who are different than me? Right? Is a neighbor somebody that, that looks different than me? Is it somebody that, that thinks differently than me? Is it somebody that even speaks differently than me? Is it somebody that has a different skin color? That's a question we ask. And then the other question is, is my neighbor oppressed? Right? Or is it someone that I've oppressed as well? How far does this whole thing go? Right? That whole seeking justice, encouraging the oppressed, it can be tough, especially if that person's different than us. And Jesus knew this. So this is why he answered with a story. He answered with a story which is known as the parable of the Good Samaritan right here in verse 30. So check this out. It says in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Right? So here is the definition of oppressed, just in case you didn't know that. Right? Here's this guy who experienced abuse. Here's this guy who had this brutal beating. Right, The robbers took everything from him and they left him. They left him for dead right there on the side of the road. And then Jesus describes who's the true neighbor. He's the one who's describing who's seeking justice for this, who's helping them, who's encouraging the oppressed. So check this out. Verse 31, it says a priest. Thinking like, oh, priest. This is going to be a nice guy, right? Think of a priest as somebody that's obviously that's people accept, right? So people would go to and think that they do the right thing. But it says a priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So here's the priest. Was he a good neighbor? Nope. He just kept on walking. Then verse 32 says, so the Levite, and the Levite, 
Levites were actually priest assistants. Like they, again, were a kind of a, at that time, they were kind of a higher class. Their whole lineage, their whole genetics, they went back to, and they were in that kind of that priesthood. People respected them. So it said to a Levite, when he came to the place in Psalm, passed by on the other side. So again, not the Levite. These two ignored the man. These two ignored the problem, right? They ignored the issue. And I think what's sad is we do the same thing sometimes. We ignore the oppressed. We ignore the issues that people are going through around us. We ignore some of the things that are happening around us. And really what it's doing, what we're doing, is we're showing a lack of love. We're not loving our neighbor. We're not living out the gospel. So Jesus continues and he goes on to show what it looks like to be a good neighbor. And he does it with this uncharacteristic individual. He says this in verse 33. He says, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He shows that the Samaritan is the one who stopped. The Samaritan is the one who's the good neighbor. What's interesting about this, and is what really Jesus intentionally did this, he showed the Samaritan as the good neighbor because he showed him living it out, but he showed how it also breaks barriers. Breaks barriers of racism, breaks barriers of skin tones, breaks barriers of backgrounds and everything else. Right? Because those who are listening, this would have been very interesting to those listening to the story. In fact, it would have been really mouth-dropping. Many of them, when they're like mine, would have been blown. In fact, some of them would probably have been even angry and infuriated by this because Samaritans, Samaritans weren't known as high-class people. In fact, the Jewish people hated Samaritans and Samaritans hated the Jewish people. Again, we talked about this a couple of weeks about, ago with, the, with Jesus and the woman at the well and when he's, as he's going through Samaria. Most people would actually walk around all Samaria, right? So they wouldn't have to deal with these people. Right? There's this much hatred. They couldn't stand each other this much. Right? There was this incredible amount of tension between these groups. Like, talk about a form of racism that existed in these times. This was it. And Jesus is using this guy. He's using these barriers to show who is a good neighbor. See, the problem is, though, we live in a world that's not so different. Right, let's, just be, let's just be honest. We live in a world filled with racism. And some of us, we may even fall into that category as well. And we might not even know it. And here's what it does. It keeps us from living out the gospel. Right? It keeps us from loving our neighbor. Because here's what racism is. Racism is the absence of love. And racism isn't just the presence of hatred. It's the absence of love. It's walking on by ignoring the issues around us. It's not doing what's right for others. It's not seeking justice. It's not encouraging those that are oppressed. And here's what's crazy. It's a learned trait. It's actually not something that comes natural to us. It's not genetic. But instead, it's taught over time. It's caught over time by action. And it's based on what we place around us. It's based on how we're raised. It's based on what we experience. Right? Again, racism is not genetic. It's not automatic. I mean, think about it. Kids, kids don't automatically hate each other. Now, kids automatically hate vegetables. Right? Kids automatically hate naps, but they don't hate each other. In fact, they naturally love each other. If you want proof, just go to a playground and watch. Right? And the younger the kids are, the more you see it. Right? I remember taking my kids to the playground. It was one of the, 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 they love it, right? And as they were younger, man, they, was, their whole goal was to go just find people and connect with. In fact, my son Griffin, he would like, he would come and give us a goal. We'd get out of the truck, go into the playground. He's like, Dad, I'm getting five new friends today and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be great, right? And he would. We'd let him go and I'm like, see ya. I'm taking a break and I'm sitting on this bench and he's just off 
talking to everybody and anybody. It didn't matter their background. It didn't matter what social status they came from. It didn't matter what economic status they came from. It didn't matter what skin color. Griffin was looking for five friends, right? And he got them. And the kids were looking for friends too, right? Because that's what it is. But somewhere along the line, I think it's easy for us to lose that love for others. And in doing so, what we're doing is we're diminishing the gospel. In doing so, we're diminishing what it means to be a neighbor. But Jesus is showing us through the story of the Good Samaritan not only how to neighbor, but how to break the barrier of racism. And Jesus was showing that the gospel goes beyond skin differences. Right? It goes beyond backgrounds. Right? To love your neighbor, the barrier of racism must be broken down because the two cannot exist together. So Jesus shows the Samaritan as the hero. He shows the Samaritan as the one really living out and exemplifying the good news. In fact, he shows that he did this here in verse 34. It says, he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to the inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave it to the, them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Right, so the Samaritan goes above and beyond. Right, the Samaritan encourages the oppressed. Right, the Samaritan seeks justice, and he seeks justice through care, through watching after and caring for the Samaritan. Right, the Samaritan breaks the barrier of racism. And then Jesus simply asks this in verse 36. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do like." Jesus told him to go and be a good neighbor. Go and be like the Samaritan. Go and do likewise. Go break the barriers of racism. Go care for others regardless of the background, regardless of the differences they have with you, right? Regardless of how they look, regardless of any differences that you may have with them. Go and love them. Here's what I want us to understand about racism today. Racism is not a skin issue. It's a sin issue. Racism is not a skin issue. Racism is a sin issue. And it keeps us from loving our neighbors faster than anything else. It stops us from loving one another. It stops us from from really living out the gospel. And it's a distraction to the gospel and it distorts the gospel as well because it's sin. It separates us from God and it separates others from God as well. And it's not acceptable to God. It's not acceptable to Him and it shouldn't be acceptable to us as well. In fact, James, the brother of Jesus, says it this way when he's actually expanding on this command to love your neighbor as yourself. In James 2, 8 through 9, it says, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. The New Living Translation says it this way. It says, but if you favor some people over others, you are committing sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. You're committing sin. You're separating yourself from God. You're living in that sin. You're taking what Jesus lived a perfect life. like died on the cross. You're taking that penalty that Jesus paid for each and every one of us. And we're really almost making a mockery of it because we're living in sin. And oftentimes we blatantly do. Listen, racism isn't a skin issue. It's a sin issue. And let me tell you why. Because Jesus died for all. Jesus died for every group, for every color of skin. Jesus died for all and he's the Lord of all. Right? He's not just the Lord of people that look like us. He's not just the Lord of people that, that agree with us. He's not just the Lord of people that act like us, but He's the Lord of all who call on His name. Right? Romans 10, 12-13 says, For there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all who richly and richly blesses all who call on Him. 
For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus is the Lord of all who call on Him. Jesus paid the same penalty for me as He did for you. Jesus paid the same penalty for, for you as He did for that person that you look at and think, man, they're a mess right now. Man, I don't agree with them. Man, I disagree. Man, there's something wrong. Jesus paid the same penalty for each and every one of us. And we are all one in Him if we call on His name. If we're all one true race. We're all the human race. And Jesus gave His life for each and every one of us. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Right? Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female, white, black, Caucasian, Hispanic. Listen, we're all one. And the truth is, God loves each and every one of us. Right? God loves Asian Americans. God loves African Americans. He loves Latin Americans. He loves Cubans, Hondurans, Nigerians, Jamaicans, Croatians, Russians. He loves all of us regardless. Listen, it doesn't have anything to do with skin color, but God even loves people who have hat, who love cats, right? God loves us all. God loves us all. And he created that diversity. He created that diversity on purpose. That diversity is what he created, and it's what heaven will look like as well. In fact, John had a vision which is known as the book of Revelation, of what heaven will look like. And he describes it this way in Revelation 7, 9 through 10. It says, There before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Think about this. This is what heaven looks like. But what if we can imagine it now? What if we could experience it now? What if we truly loved our neighbor? How different, how different would life look like if we as followers of Christ led the way in doing what is right and seeking justice? Here's what's sad though. Sunday mornings in the United States are probably part of the most segregated times throughout the whole entire week. If you look at it, the church in the United States, some of the most segregated in the, in the United States, some of the most segregated places all throughout. But it was never meant to be that way. That's not what heaven's going to look like. I mean, think about it. What if we could, what if we could overcome that? Imagine what people could experience. They could see hope through us. Every nation, every tribe, all people, every language would cry out, salvation belongs to the Lord. And that's what the gospel is. And that's what can happen when it spreads, right? The heart of the gospel is loving your neighbor. And it starts with the question, won't you be my neighbor? So it's a question we need to ask. But it's also, it's a, it's a question we need to respond to as well. So let me just give you some ways and an action plan of how to overcome racism, how to learn what to, to do what's right, how to seek justice for the oppressed as well. And number one is this. We have to take the first step. In neighboring, we have to take the first step. In overcoming barriers, we have to take the first step. If you look at the Samaritan, he took the first step. Verse 34, it says, he went to him. The other guys, right? The priest, the Levite, those guys kept walking. They stayed on the other side of the street. They were doing everything they could to really go beyond and, and get away from him. But it says the Samaritan crossed the road. The Samaritan took the first step. He went to him. Now listen, the same thing. We have to do this in our life as well. Take the first step. To neighbor, to be a good neighbor, you got to walk across the road and take that first step. Listen, it's on you. It's on me. It's our responsibility. Then take the first step means this. 
means that we have to seek to understand. I think a lot of times we let a barrier, we let a gap go because we don't seek to understand the others. We don't look from a different perspective. I think a lot of times there's some things that, that we think about others. We have these judgments and we have these judgmental thoughts that, that come across because we're not seeking to understand. Listen, I'll be honest, there's some times I'll drive down the street in Newark and I look at people and think, like, dude, they're a mess. Like, what in the world? Like, you're making our town look bad. This, I'll just be honest, that's, I struggle with that. You know what I'm doing? I'm not paying attention to their story at all. I'm not taking the time to seek to understand what they're going through. What happened to them? what their story all entails, what they're trying to medicate themselves from. Right? We need to seek to understand. And Proverbs 4, 7 says, though it costs all you have, get understanding. Listen, seeking to understand means it's going to get messy. It's going to cost everything we have. It's going to cost some time. It's going to, talk some, it's going to cost some relationship value. Like it's, going to, it's going to cost some things. Right? It's going to take something on our part to go beyond those barriers. But we need to seek to understand. We need to seek empathy. If you look at the Samaritan, he was empathetic. In fact, in summarizing this passage of Scripture, Dr. Martin Luther King explains empathy like this when he's talking about this, the parable of the Good Samaritan. He says, the first, the first question the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But the Good Samaritan reversed the question. If I do not stop and help this man, what will happen to him? Listen, instead of just seeing situations from our own perspective, what if we reversed it? What if we saw it from their light? What if we saw it from their angle? What if we sought understanding? What if we sought after empathy? What that is, that's taking the first step. So this week, I want to challenge you. Maybe for you, maybe you've been holding on to some resentment. Maybe there's a, a people group or whatever it is that you look at and you're thinking like, man, you always just look down upon them. Listen, this week, I want to challenge you to change your perspective. Maybe take a moment and see life from their shoes. Take a moment and, and see life from, and, and, and how they view things, right? Maybe for you this week, maybe you've ignored some issues. You've ignored some injustices. You've ignored people. Listen, I want to challenge you to, to seek understanding and slow down and take the first step. So number one, take the first step. Number two is to bandage any wounds. Listen, when we're talking about neighboring, when we're talking about racism, let's just start off with the premise that we've probably either been hurt by it or we've hurt others. Let's just be honest. Right? We've been there before. We probably either listened to, to something that, that somebody said against us that, that was a lie that, that we've carried on and it's hurt us, right? That wasn't uplifting, that was divisive, and, we, and, and we've allowed it to hurt us. Or we possibly have allowed ourselves to say things to others that have hurt them. Right? Maybe it was with intent to hurt them, or maybe it was without intent. It was just a sad attempt at, at humor, right? Listen, whatever it is, I want to challenge us to bandage those wounds. If you look at the Samaritan, Continues on in verse 34, and it says that he bandaged his wounds by pouring on oil and wine. Right, here's this guy beaten down, hurt and pain. And for some of us, we've experienced this. For others of us, we've, we've done this to others. But then it says the Samaritan came and helped, covered his wounds, and he poured oil and wine on, wine on him. If you look at oil, oil is a cleansing agent, and wine is a healing agent. And the two mixed together, they were used to restore. So get this, the Samaritan is bandaging his wounds, pouring oil and wine, on this man, and what he's doing is he's trying to restore the man. For some of us, we've got some relationships that we need to restore. Right? And it starts with putting a bandage on some things. It starts with that. And here's how we bandage any wounds. For some of us that are carrying on to wounds, for some of us that have wounds that somebody has hurt us before, what we need to do to put a bandage on there is we need, we need to actually forgive others. Right? For some of us, means we need to forgive others. 
which means this. We need to get rid of those grudges. If we're holding on to a grudge, if we're letting something fester, guess what? It's time to, it's time to forgive. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. All right, be kind and compassionate. That's the first step. That's taking the first step. But then the next step is actually forgiving one another. It's not for their sake, but it's for your sake. I think a lot of us are carrying on wounds that, that we are never meant to carry. We've got some open wounds, and what we're doing is we're bleeding on others, right? But we need to forgive others so that we can put the wound and we can bandage those wounds on us. And here's how we bandage wounds that we may have caused. Things that we may have done or said to other people. We need to repent. We need to repent. Which means this, we may need to apologize for some things we said. And then walk away from those things. We may need to, to, to walk away from those things. And we may need to even recognize some prejudices that we may have. Here's a prejudice. A prejudice is a preconceived opinion that's not based on reason or actual experience. Right? For some of us, we have some preconceived opinions just based on what we've heard and not fully experienced. Just based on what we've been taught and not fully experienced. Based on, on what we've grown up with and not fully experienced. We need to recognize those. We need to recognize those. Peter talks about repentance in a sermon in the beginning of Acts and says this in Acts 3.19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Repent so that a time of refreshing may come. Right? Repent so there's a time of restoration may come from the Lord. And so maybe you're here today, and maybe there's some wounds that you need to bandage. To be a good neighbor, to show the love of Jesus, maybe you need to, to heal, and that first step is forgiveness. I want to challenge you to forgive. Maybe for you, maybe you've, had, you've hurt somebody else. And maybe you need to ask forgiveness from people. Right? Maybe you need to apologize. I challenge you this week to do it. Maybe for you, it's to send a text message, right? Maybe for you to send an email, a phone call, or even get together with them in coffee. I'll challenge you to do it. Maybe for you is to change your mindset. Understand a, a, a just, like maybe you're like, I just have this mindset, I just have this. Listen, a just isn't just a just when it comes to racism. Because eventually it's going to show its ugly face. And for maybe you, maybe there's some prejudices that you need to recognize. And maybe you need to share it. Maybe you need to share it with a trusted friend so that they can keep you accountable. So that it doesn't show a surface, right? So that you can bandage those wounds. Bandage wounds, and then number three, go the extra mile. Go over the top. Be nicer. Take this whole neighboring thing to the next level. Right? Take this whole caring for one another one step further than you normally would. Right? If you look at the Samaritan, he went the extra mile. Verse 34 again, he says this. He says, then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Listen, the Samaritan didn't need to do any of that. In fact, it wasn't expected. It was actually really weird that he did. But he went the extra mile. And the extra mile is always love. Listen, to overcome racism, we have to do it with love. Right? To be a good neighbor, we have to do it with love. To be a good neighbor, we have to go the extra mile. And I want to challenge you to love those differently than you. Love those that aren't you. Love others. Listen, we exist to love people to life change. And what that means is that we're going to go the extra mile. So that people can experience a growing relationship with Jesus. Right? We're not just going to get by, but we're going to go the extra mile. We're going to, to go and actually care and protect others. First Peter 4.8 says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sin. Love covers sin. Love covers differences. Right? Love covers disagreements, because love is neighboring, and it's the heart of the gospel. Go the extra mile. When we go the extra mile, it destroys racism. And allows us to be a good neighbor. It allows us to share the gospel. In 1996, there was a, a KKK rally held in Michigan. Obviously, with any of these, these the tensions were high. 
And so there's many protesters there. In fact, there's so many protesters there, obviously the police had to get involved. And the, the two were mingling. The police separated the KKK members from the protesters, but one of the KKK members actually slipped into the side of the protesters. So here he was all alone. And he didn't have his group there, so the protesters, what they do? They began to beat him. They began to hit him. They began to scream, say, kill the Nazi, kill, kill the KKK guy. Until one time there's, there's an 18-year-old African-American girl named Keisha Thomas. She jumped and she threw her body on top of the KKK. She put herself at physical risk to protect a man that likely wanted to harm her. And she put herself at physical risk to protect a man that rallied around hate towards her. Think about this. Who does this? Turns out she was a committed believer and follower of Christ. And she just wanted to go the extra mile. She wanted to show love. We combat hatred with love. We combat racism with love. Because love breaks that barrier. She later said this. She said, I knew what it was like to be hurt. But many times that it happened, I wish someone would have stood up for me. And she said, the biggest thing you can do is just to be kind to another human being. It could come to eye contact or a smile. It doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be monumental at all. That's the extra mile. The extra mile is love. So this week, I want to challenge you to go the extra mile with kindness. Racism is not a skin issue. It's a sin issue. And it stops us from neighboring faster than anything else. It distorts and destroys the gospel. So this week, I want to challenge you. Take the first step. Bandage the wounds. And then go the extra mile. If you would, as we close, pull out your response card in the seat back in front of you. Maybe you're here today, and maybe as I'm talking... Maybe racism isn't something you struggle with, or maybe you're here today and maybe, maybe you do. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to respond and let God work through you. Let the gospel work through you. Maybe you're here today, maybe you never accepted the gospel. Maybe you never realized that, that Jesus loved you. Maybe you're hearing these things like, God loves me. God loves everybody. Like, how can he love me? I have a background. I've got so many things that I'm carrying on. Listen, God loves you. He sent his son for you. And you're here today and you never realized that. You've never responded. You've never accepted that. I want to give you the opportunity. What you can do on that connection card, there's a place that says, I want to make a commitment to follow Jesus. If that's you, check mark that box and then believe that God loved you so much that he gave you something. Check mark that box and, and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Accept his forgiveness. Maybe you're today, maybe God's asking you to, to take the first step. Maybe there's a person that came in mind. Maybe there's a grudge that you're holding on. Maybe there's a people group that you have in mind or whatever. And there's a grudge that you're holding on to. And you know what? It's time to take the first step. I want to challenge you. Write it down and then do it. This week, live it out. Maybe for you, there's some, there's some wounds you need to bandage. Maybe there's some forgiveness that you need to put in place. Maybe there's some, something you need to repent of. I want to challenge you to do it. Maybe for you to go the extra mile. Whatever it is, I challenge you to write it down and live it out. There's also a place for prayer requests as well. If you would, take a moment to fill that out and to get any ties or offerings ready as well. And then Seth will be up to explain the next steps. Thank you for listening to the Life Change Church Podcast. If you were here today and you were listening and you made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to hear about it. Or maybe you're here and you're listening and that God is asking you to make the next step with whatever that it is in your life. We would love to hear about it and partner up with you. If you would, go to www mylifechangechurch.com and under the media section please fill out the contact us information and let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ let us know what God is asking of you and if you need prayer we would love to partner up with you in prayer as well we hope that you enjoyed the podcast and that it both encouraged and challenged you have a great week